Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to part two of the This Week in Bitcoin show. Make sure you listen to all of part two because at the end, there's a special flashback episode that is bonus material that I think you will all love. Pound that like button. See. All right. So we're talking about we're talking about altcoins there, BTC Benny. And uh, the big uh, the big bad altcoin that's going to debut one of these days, Libra. They had a wallet called Calibra, and they renamed it. What did they rename it anyway? I forgot. Uh, uh, the, and that's the it? thing. I can't, don't even remember. Uh, I don't even know. Hold I on. forgot the name already. Did I write it down? I can, I can tell you. Oh, it's Novi. Novi. No, no, yes, I did write it yeah. Novi. So uh, do, you, do you care about this? Was it just noise? Uh, is it it's, good marketing on their part? It's kind of just noise. I mean, like, it was a little confusing with the Libra versus Calibra. Like, I, I guess I can kind of see why they changed it. But I, I don't know. Like, does anybody really care about Libra? Like, it was this big, scary thing. And they called all these Senate hearings and everything. And it just beckoned to the fact that you can't haul Bitcoin into the Senate to question it. Like, the elephant in the room is how irrelevant Libra was. And, and like the fact that they were able to say, oh, I don't know about that, you're not allowed to do that, is why Bitcoin exists. So I don't know, every, everything to do with Libra has just been, like, is it even gonna launch? Is it ever gonna? Well, well that, and that's the question, is it ever gonna launch? Well, this is a step toward launching. They, they wanna rename it if they didn't think they were gonna, they're, they, they, they're trying to ease confusion. They don't want people to be confused between Libra and the wallet. Uh, maybe they're trying to trick some of the senators you know, saying, well, you hated Libra. Now it's called something else. So it's good. I mean, simple minds could be convinced of certain things. Uh, but I think, uh, I think it's, I think it's a positive that they, they're still alive. Now, do, do I like altcoins? No, I think it's going to get people into Bitcoin. And I think it's, it's a reminder. They're still out there. What he wants Zuckerberg, there was another article about uh, how this is going to make it easier for people on Facebook to buy Facebook products or, or something like that. I mean, they're going to have their own little closed ecosystem, perhaps. You know, to, eat, to each his own. I, I think uh, I, I'm no. I, I think corporations should be able to uh, be able to make their own uh, private uh, cryptocurrencies, and so the world can see that no, this is not. This is definitely not Bitcoin, and that yeah, they can be hauled into the Senate. But still, I think they should be allowed to. So I don't know. Boris, do you have any, any Libra thoughts? Not really. I mean, I went to Disneyland once and I had to buy Disney dollars to actually buy some, some drinks and stuff inside the park. And I, I took one home. It's a great souvenir. And this is what I'm, I, I mean, I'm Libra lacks that, or Novi, it lacks the souvenir vibe. You know, I want to bring it home and put it on the wall like, like I did with my Disney dollar, something like that. It needs something like that. Okay, the pad the panel is not too uh, keen on uh, on Libra here, but they're not they're not worried about it either. Like you know, some of the FUD once Libra gets rolling again, we'll get some of those uh, Libra fudsters saying that it's going to destroy Bitcoin. I know that that's a serious FUD that's that's out there. Like, it's it's such a huge corporation they can destroy Bitcoin. It's centralized. Okay, we'll see. But so yeah, prepare yourself, strong-handed people. You'll get some Libra hut Libra FUD soon enough. Pound that like button. But I, again, I think it'll get people in the Bitcoin. So I'm not. I, I know Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin and not, not Libra. So speaking about altcoins, uh, BTC Benny, how many comps.com 
that website. Yes. Uh, you, you tweeted yes. out about that. I think people should be familiar with it uh, that watch this show. I, I, I've mentioned it before, but it's becoming more obvious that, uh, yeah, Bitcoin is the real Bitcoin. Explain that, uh, that, that site. Yeah, so um, I, tw I tweeted out the other day uh, about one of the major use cases of Bitcoin and kind of why it was, was created was the immutability and the finality of your transaction in the digital realm and being sure that, I mean, the, the main issue why we couldn't have digital cash originally without a third party, without a trusted third party, was that you had no way of knowing um, that your your money was not being double spent. Um, you also like how how sure are you that your transaction won't be reversed? That's that's a big issue. And with Bitcoin, you get transaction immutability, and you get that finality of your transaction far quicker than any other digital exchange of value. Um, you know, things like PayPal, things, your bank account, accepting e-transfers and whatever other, depending on where you are in the world. But all those bank transfers are relatively reversible. Uh, your credit card transactions are pretty reversible. Um, as a merchant, that's scary. If you're accepting payment online, a lot of the time you're on the hook for things like that. Uh, and, and you can get scammed pretty easily. And so you've got to do like extensive KYC. And again, why we didn't have digital cash in the first place, a risk to merchants as well. Um, with Bitcoin, the, the finality that you get with a transaction after six confirmations is, is just orders of magnitude more than any other digital source. And so this website, how many comps C-O-N-F-S.com. Uh, it maps out all of the other proof of work coins because proof of stake just doesn't apply here because you can attack that infinite times at zero cost. Uh, regardless, all of the proof of work coins are put in order and they have Bitcoin at the top saying, okay, six confirmations, how long does that take? And then for the same amount of security and transaction finality, how long, how many confirmations would it take on all of the other proof of work coins? Ethereum is the second place and it's twice as long. But as we've seen in the past, that doesn't matter whatsoever because they forked the whole project anyways and moved to a new project after the DAO hack anyways. So really it's like, it's a group of people that actually run the software and confirm everything and dictate what the protocol is and everybody else just kind of follows suit and goes with them. Um, the next closest one, and I'm not looking at it right now, but the next closest one was Bitcoin Cash and it's 33 times slower to get the same level of transaction finality. And not only that, but like it, it would be so, so easy to 51% attack. Bitcoin Cash. It's literally like the only reason it hasn't happened yet is because the, the miners aren't bored enough and they want their Bitcoin that they're mining. Um, and I mean, they've added checkpoints as well, which beckons to its centralization. But how many comps.com really puts into perspective the, the absolute surety that your transaction has gone through and cannot be reversed? is just so much greater with Bitcoin than with anything else. It truly is uh, the most secure settlement system on the planet. All right, uh, Boris, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, do you? 
Yeah, I think this is so important, uh, especially people who are new to Bitcoin. They don't understand the concept that a transaction can be reversed because it doesn't happen a lot. So people are used to sending, I don't know, bank payments from one bank account to another, and it's just there, the money's there, and it's usually it's instant. And they don't realize that it's reversible. And when they see, uh, I don't know, Bitcoin in action versus different altcoins, um, you might be tempted to draw the conclusion that these altcoins are pretty fast. The transactions just aren't that final. And that's something that people, that, that's sort of concept that people have to grasp and it takes a while. And that's, um, that's actually, that's, that's one of my, my large frustrations with, with uh, explaining Bitcoin again and again and again, is that you have to sort of like uh, understand what people understand. You don't know, people don't know what they don't know. So websites like these are really important to grasp a simple concept, which actually has a lot of uh, consequences if you think about it. All right, now that I, that I got you here, I want you to uh, give us your insider information on uh, the Netherlands, if there's any, any news out of the uh, AML situation that you've been covering. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that that law that that AML D five five is what it's called in uh, in the Netherlands, the uh, anti money money laundering directive, the fifth anti money laundering directive, has uh, um, uh, has gone into effect. Uh, we've seen uh, quite a few Bitcoin companies from the Netherlands either just stop or uh, move to other. We've seen Deribit, which is next to BitMEX, one of the largest uh, trading platforms, uh, moved to uh, Panama, I think. Um, lots of small companies just quit. Uh, we've also seen some altcoin projects that quit. I mean, maybe maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. But um, yeah, all in all, it's really bad. Uh, the only thing that's left is that uh, people in the Netherlands uh, have an option to complain to the European court about the infringement the privacy infringement that's happening uh, with this amld5 directive and that's um, that's the only option that's left and then the privacy court in the in brussels will look at it and hopefully tell the dutch government that they're going way too far with their kyc uh, requirements uh, but to be honest I, I i won't keep my hopes up this is this battle has been fought and um KYC is a thing. It's here in the Netherlands. It's it's virtually impossible to buy Bitcoin uh, or actually to sell Bitcoin without doing extensive KYC, and it's pretty bad. Oh, Have no. you tried BISC? Yeah, obviously that's possible, and it's if it's it's up to, up to a certain point, it's decentralized, and there are some companies outside of uh, the Netherlands that still offer. Uh, KYC, no KYC, uh, Bitcoin. Um, it's hard to find them, uh, and eventually uh, they will crack down on those uh, services as well. Um, there's, I mean, the, the the holes in the law, the gaps in the law, they they become smaller and smaller. Ah, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, well, let let's contrast this with something that uh, BTC Benny uh, put out there: seventy thousand Bitcoin coin joined. What's up with that, BTC Benny? Yeah, that ju that's just the month of May. And that was so far just like a couple days ago. Um, so this was a study done. Um, it was Max uh, Hillebrand that put it out uh, or, or was sharing it on Twitter. But it was an aggregate between uh, Wasabi Wallet, Samurai Wallet, and Join Market. 
And it showed, yes, yeah, 70,000 Bitcoin made private via CoinJoin. This is kind of a guesstimate because uh, with Join Market, it's very difficult to kind of track. Uh, but he's pretty confident that the numbers with Wasabi and Samurai are, are pretty accurate. Um, and, I mean, and across the board, it's going up. And so the other interesting thing about it is there's a significant spike in new coins being coin joined, which would either indicate people that are obtaining more Bitcoin and then coin joining it, or new people are starting to coin join. My guess is it's a, it's a combination of the two because these technologies are getting easier to use with Samurai Wallet going mobile, somebody working on a mobile version of Wasabi um, as an open source project, it's becoming easier for regular people to download a wallet and just hit a button and have their coins um, mixed for them so that they can then separate the links between them and, and their Bitcoin. I think it's an all around positive thing. And the important thing is that if a significant number of people do this, it doesn't even have to be significant, but say five, 10% of people start doing stuff like this, it, it makes it incredibly difficult for any company to say, we won't accept coin joins. Um, we, we refuse to accept because then you just taint the entire pool of coins and every, every coin is tainted, which I think is the goal um, where you put people like Chainalysis out of business. Yes, that has definitely uh, been encouraged out there. Taint them all, baby. Put those dudes out of business. Now, uh, now I, I've got another question for you. you. In one of your tweets, you said, uh, uh, announcing a BTC pay server grant number seven from OKCoin. OKCoin is matching our biggest supporter to date and will be donating a total of $100,000 uh, US dollars over the next 12 months. Uh, yeah, we've discussed a BTC pay server uh, uh, previously. You, you had some things to say about them. We were talking about it before the show. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's awesome that this open source project that was literally put together to spite BitPay because of their dishonest actions and the whole Segwit2x debacle and their misrepresentation of how Bitcoin functions. Uh, Nicholas Dorier uh, just, just took this, this as a cause of his own to build a BTC Pay server and create this incredible... Um, resource for people and merchants to be able to accept Bitcoin and create shops and and become a, a, a digital merchant accepting Bitcoin through whether it be on chain or lightning now um, and actually now liquid as well uh, but you're you're now able to accept Bitcoin without the need for a trusted third party to do that for you um, which is incredible and to see people rallying around uh, uh, the developers working on this software is is equally amazing like to see uh who is it that just um that just donated did you say i just erased the whole thing what was it uh, <laughs> uh okay coin okay, okay coin. Yeah, yeah 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 so like they they donated um my where i work donated uh they sponsored uh cucks uh for 80 grand so i work at bitsy and they they did the the last grant to to btc pay server but again, it's, it's just awesome to see people congregating behind people that are building incredibly useful things for the community. And on the same vein of privacy, BTC Pay Server implemented uh, Pay to Endpoint, P2EP, uh, so that people can now in 
purchasing anything on a BTC Pay server merchant, they create a type of coin join that is indecipherable from a regular Bitcoin transaction so that the merchant actually contributes Bitcoin to the transaction and nowhere in there from the resulting UTXOs is the actual amount of Bitcoin transacted, which is amazing. Um, and it breaks all the heuristics that people like Chainalysis are relying on. So it's just like, it, it just, all this stuff stacks on top of each other and it's just flipping the bird to the establishment the whole way through. I'm glad, M more anti-chain analysis stuff there, very good. Uh, Boris, I don't know if uh, you have any uh, thoughts on any of that. Uh, yeah, I think it's really important that people support Bitcoin development. And uh, I mean, there's a couple of projects uh, and BTC Pay Service, absolutely one of them that, uh, that really, I mean, if you, if you see what it is, you love it. You, you gotta love it. And it works brilliantly and it's so simple and, and, and so good. Um, yeah, I hope that the team who's working on BTC Pay Server actually gets paid a lot. I've donated myself uh, through, their, uh, through their website. Um, and I think all users should think about this. I mean, Bitcoin needs their heroes and they also need some financial um, success for the creators. So it motivates people to get into the space and, uh, and actually start uh, contributing to Bitcoin. All right, we got one more topic here before everybody uh, talks about their own personal stories. Uh, uh, high fees, crowded mempool. We were hearing about it at, at the beginning of the week. I think by the end of the week, uh, the story had changed a little bit. The fees weren't as high. But here's something that came out. We just published the most extensive SegWit batching analysis ever done going back to uh, January 2012 until March 2020. Bitcoin users could have saved over 500 million US dollars in transactional fees with a full SegWit and batching implementation. Whoa. So yeah, Seg SegWit could have saved some people so, so, some money along the way here. Uh, we, we just got through a period of a, a crowded mempool. Uh, hopefully uh, people will be, uh, I don't know why people don't use SegWit addresses now, but hey, maybe they're going to learn the lesson the hard way. Uh, and we're going to have lightning soon, uh, more, more people using lightning soon. Uh, BTC, Benny, what are your thoughts on the high fees that we had or on, uh, on what I just shared about SegWit? Any thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it further reiterates that uh, block space is scarce digital real estate. And in order to get a piece of that real estate, you do indeed have to pay a price for it. Um, this is going to be a trend. It will continue because transaction fees are integral to the continued security of the network. As the, the block subsidy gets diminished every four years, something's going to need to supplement that over time. And we're going to start to see more and more that the, the fees will peak up and above that of the block subsidy in terms of revenue for miners. We saw a little bit of it during the last mania. There were a few times where, where the block reward was less than the actual fees paid. A lot of that was just inefficiencies. But in order to get to that point, we need for that, for that fee market to be fully fleshed out and fully realized, people need to be using it as efficiently as possible. It'll naturally happen over time. But if you don't prepare yourself in advance, you're going to find situations where you're paying way more than you should. So I highly encourage people to, number one, get a wallet that supports full BEC32 addresses, which means if you're 
Bitcoin address that you see on your wallet starts with a one or a three, not quite good enough. You're going to want to get one that starts with a BC one. There may be the odd compatibility issue, uh, but by and large, probably not. And there are ways to, to get a three address so that it's not it's compatible. Regardless, get a BEC32 wallet and then learn about, if, you, if you're regularly making payments, learn about batching your transactions. Um, because if you do, into, let's say I have to pay 10 people, if I do an individual transaction, every single one of those people, even if I'm using a BEC32 enabled wallet, um, that's going to be far more expensive to do that way than to say, I've got this this amount of Bitcoin here and I'm going to send it in a single transaction out to all these 10 people, the efficiency that you gain from doing that and the amount of data that has to be added to the Bitcoin blockchain is far less. Um, and I think exchanges need to ensure that they're doing this. The other thing about it, as far as transaction fees to go to cut down on that is how exchanges are utilizing the blockchain or if they're even on the blockchain, things like Liquid were specifically built for a lot of inter-exchange transfer. Now I know Liquid is not Bitcoin, you know, it is, it is a peg, but if you're somebody that is a trader, which again, I'm not a big trader, uh, but if you're parking your Bitcoin on an exchange, you're trusting that single entity to hold your Bitcoin. If you're utilizing Liquid, then at least it's, it mitigates the risk a little bit. It trust minimizes it in, to the point where it's a federation with, with the pegged Bitcoin as opposed to just a single entity holding it. Um, and it moves all of those transactions off chain. The settlement time is two minutes uh, and you also have the benefit of lower fees and you have the benefit of confidential transactions. So if you're moving millions of dollars into exchange, you don't see traders that see publicly on the blockchain what you're doing and front run your trade. So again, it, like I'm, I'm not advocating that you go out and, and gamble, but at the same time, if this is another efficiency that, that exchanges can utilize so that scarce Bitcoin block space is best utilized and we see that fee market fleshed out and, and, and it, it can, while still being somewhat relatively uh, reasonably priced, can also subsidize the miners at the same time. All right, Boris, fees. Yeah, I have the f I have the feeling that uh, most of these high fees are coming from exchanges. Um, I know that a lot of exchanges don't want to see their uh, their service desks flooded with people asking questions where their transactions are staying. So, uh, what I'm seeing is that most of them just add a fixed fee like 50,000 sets on top of the transaction fee and just to make sure that it's that the transaction is in the next block so people basically don't have to wait it's absolutely ridiculous uh, people should be able to uh, choose their own speed at which they receive the transaction choose their own fee um, yeah I mean most transactions are from from exchanges are highly overpaid um, and there's really nothing you can do especially in this completely KYC country uh, where I live, where everything that you buy on an exchange needs this 50,000 sets transaction fee. It's horrible, but it's, it's the reality. I, I feel like exchanges should be like every, every withdrawal should be a low fee RBF transaction replaced by fee, right? Yes. Or at least give that option. Right. And so 
if you have that slider of, hey, how quick do you want to receive your payout? This is what it's going to cost you. You could set it super low. If it's taking too long, then go back in and hit bump fee. There you go. Then it, like, it, it doesn't by default bump up the fees for everybody else. Like Exchanges are really going to have to think about this because it's not sustainable the way they're doing it and, and the market will force them to change. Absolutely. All right, dudes, we're, we're, at the, we're at the end of the show here. So it's time for the, the guys to talk about what they're doing or to, to say, uh, tell a story that, that got left out, share some news. Uh, we'll start with you, Boris. Yeah, I got two things. First of all, I want to shill uh, for all the European watchers, uh, the European version of Lolly. We finally have a setback service here in the Netherlands. It's still, or not in the Netherlands, it's in Europe, it's Europe-wide. <laughs> It's, uh, it's still in beta, but it's called stacking.com. And stacking is spelled S-T-E-K-K-I-N-G.com. Uh, and uh, it allows you to get sets back from everything from AliExpress to most major European shops. And I love it. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I've seen all the Americans <laughs> like, like begging about, but they have long absolutely fantastic so uh, and another thing uh, Adam I wanted to ask you when I started watching your show and uh, I guess like five years ago something like you always line like on hand 2020 vision because the 2020 having was a there was something that was like the end goal or something and I always knew like we're going to get there one day and I'm going to talk to you and I'm I just wonder what you're going to do are you are we 2024 with vision now? I mean, is this where we sell? How do you, how have you changed? No, 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 no. I, I always said the earliest, the earliest I would possibly sell a Bitcoin for fiat for a dollar, uh, dollars would be after the 2020 halving. But so we're after, no, I'm not selling anything. I'm, I, I can live off of every, I, I've got it set up. I can make it to 2024 easily. What I was trying to do back in 2016 was teach people about long-term thinking. They were thinking about the next day. And the easiest date to point to was 2020, the halving. It taught them about the halving also. So it was a darn good day to state, to, 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 to put out there. Back when Bitcoin was $400, and I'm like, dudes, it's $400. Don't sell at least until after the 2020 halving. Well, if, if some people really planned it out that way and then sold all their Bitcoin and they probably did darn well, but I hope they didn't sell their Bitcoin because dude, 2024, strong hand people, 2024, strong hand. But hey, so now I'm all the newbies, I'm teaching them about 2024 because you got to have a long, you, you cannot think about tomorrow. Think about four years from now, because if you think about tomorrow, you're going to make a mistake. And oh, I, I learned from this chart that it's going to go up 10 bucks. So I better sell it and I'll buy it. Yeah, it's nuts. All right. Uh, B, BTC Benny, your, your conclusionary thoughts. Yeah. To tag on to what you're saying, measure, measure not just your, your investments, but also your achievements in Bitcoin epochs, I think is the way to go for your cycles. There we go. That's, that's what we need to focus on. But besides that, I wanted to give a shout out to everybody that I've seen on my Twitter feed is tweeting me pictures of nodes that they've set up because of a tutorial I made a few months back. And I love it. And it's just, it make there's no, it's probably one of the most rewarding things that I have experienced since getting into Bitcoin is seeing just this flood of people that have claimed their monetary sovereignty by setting up their own Bitcoin node. 
And I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away by it because there's just been, there's been so many of them and I like, you, you can't see it, but I've got my node running behind me. I set it up using my node, which is like to open source software that you can get run on a raspberry Pi. but it's just so cool to see people that previously thought it was difficult to run their own node and self verify and, and take uh, a bigger step into participating in the Bitcoin protocol, make that leap and realize it's not as difficult as they saw. And so the more, not everybody has to run a node, but the more people that do, the more robust things get and the less likely to coercion everybody is. Uh, so again, to anybody that has said, hey, I used your, your tutorial to set up a node and sent me a picture of it, uh, thank you. It's, I love seeing it every day and it brings a smile to my face and uh, yeah, keep on claiming that monetary sovereignty for yourself. Both of these dudes, Boris and Benny, are linked to below. Follow them on Twitter. Seriously, you'll get to see pictures of nodes. Uh, value your time in halvings. That's another one of my, uh, my, my sayings there. You're talking about people are going to measure time that way. Of course. Of course. Value your time that way. That's it, dudes. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Lots of traveling for me soon, and uh, you'll see me at new locations. Oh, yeah. Get a move on. In motion. These dudes are in motion. I'll be in physical motion still. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to this backup channel. Follow me on Twitter at TechVault. And uh, yeah, new show here every day, of course, Conviction. See you guys tomorrow. Thanks a lot again, everyone. Bye-bye. We're back at Investor Tano's headquarters in San Diego, California. I'm your host, Daniel Wong. On today's program, joining us all the way from Quebec, Canada, we have Adam Meister. He is the founder of DisruptMeister.com. Adam, thanks so much for taking the time with us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's, it's great to be here. Well, Adam, for most of our audience members, cryptocurrencies is obviously something very new, and, and you've been covering this space for a long time. So for investors and, and people that wanting to get involved in this and really understand what it is, you know, tell us about Bitcoin. You know, what, what really is it for investors, and how can they get involved? Well, uh, Bitcoin is built on something called blockchain technology, and uh, investors probably aren't too interested in that, but blockchain technology is just a public ledger. Uh, keeps track of everything. And Bitcoin itself is digital gold. It's digital money. You send it from one computer to another and it, no government can stop it. Uh, it is not controlled by a third party. You store it yourself. It's, it's freedom digital money, I'd like to call it, I guess. And so investors ask the question, is it safe? You know, is it risky to, to invest in this? You know, what's it backed by? How do I know that when I buy a Bitcoin, I can sell it later on? You know, what would you say to them? It's backed by no government, but the blockchain keeps track of it and you know that it cannot be forged. It is, it is safe. It is a good investment. It is, is definitely worth the time of traditional investors to look into it. And so then we start talking. Why buy Bitcoin? You know, there's alternate coins out there. Why buy Bitcoin? Well, first of all, Bitcoin, uh, comparing it to the U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar is inflationary. Bitcoin is deflationary. Why buy Bitcoin compared to other cryptocurrencies? It is the first cryptocurrency. It is the dominant one. It is the one that is getting all the coverage. It is the one that is building all the businesses on it. It, it is... Uh, it, it's as if when they created the internet, there was just one internet. You could have created another way of the internet, but we stuck with the one way of the internet, and that is what Bitcoin is in terms of cryptocurrency. It is the way. It is the winner. 
And so now we've seen this huge rising popularity. We've seen the price really start start soaring there. Is it too late to buy Bitcoin or is there still an opportunity to get in? No, the, people like to scare others away by saying it's too late. It is so early still. Uh, going back to the internet comparison, it's like the internet back in 1993 in terms of wh- how far it has to progress. I mean, it's still it's somewhat difficult for new people to even handle Bitcoin, to send Bitcoin. They usually do need some help learning it. So it is. The, there have been giant price rises, but there are things programmed into it that give one confidence that it will even double, triple, quadruple some more. And uh, the year 2020 is a very important year that's coming up, and it's still way before the year 2020. So I, I think it is, a, it is very early still. Okay, but before we move on, why is 2020 such an important year? That is the year the miners of Bitcoin, the people who produce Bitcoin, every four years, the supply gets cut in half that's produced by the miners. So there will be that much less produced in 2020 than that much less produced in 2024. We went through one of these halvings in 2016 and the price doubled leading up to the halving. I see. I see. Okay. So let's say investors are sold on this. They're saying, I want to get involved. How do they go and buy? I would advise they go to coinbase.com if they're in the United States of America or gemini.com. Those are the uh, best on ramps for people who have U.S. dollars, uh, the safest ones and probably the only ones you can get on in the United States. They're they're pretty much well regulated. The Winklevoss brothers are behind Gemini. So that's a really big name. Gotcha, gotcha. So looking at those those coins there, um, where do you keep the cryptocurrency? Is it, You talk about these wallets, these other ways to, to store it. I mean, now, now what do they do with it once they buy it? Well, you can rely on a third party like you rely on a bank, but that's not the safest thing. You can keep it at Coinbase. You can keep it at a site called blockchain.info. But the best thing you can do is control your own private address by buying your own hardware wallet like a Trezor or a Ledger Nano. I personally use the Trezor to store 99% of my Bitcoin. That's where my Bitcoin is at, at a Trezor. Um, it, it's, not the, it's, it's pretty easy to uh, use once you get the hang of it. I teach people actually how to use it, how to set it up. And people are always, when they get a little bit of help, if you're new to, if you're not the most technical person in the world, if you're used to just holding gold and silver, I have a lot of clients that are used to just holding gold and silver. You teach them, they get the hang of it real quick and they understand this is their own private bank and this is about self-responsibility. You cannot, you can't let a third party hold your Bitcoin. It's safest to put it on your own hardware wallet like a Trezor. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so now let's get into this. Talk about other ICOs out there. Scams, legitimate. How do people do due diligence? You know, you hear about all these new Bitcoins coming about or or cryptocurrencies. Tell us about that. Okay, well, there's a few different things here that you mentioned. There's Bitcoin, then there are alternative coins called altcoins. And then there are these initial coin offerings called ICOs. They're tokens built on top of other coins. It's complex to... to explain, but a lot of your viewers are going to, they have heard of these ICOs, incredibly risky. I'm a very, I'm a very conservative type of investor. I just say buy and hold Bitcoin. It's very simple. It's not glamorous, but I think a lot of the people watching this will understand that 
the tortoise wins the race. The non-glamorous person wins the race. The 20% of the people who do calm things, they win. Uh, the 80% of the people who try to get into trading and flipping and ICOs and altcoins, they get burnt. And ICOs are especially risky. There are a few altcoins that your viewers have probably heard of, like Litecoin and Ethereum. You can buy them at Coinbase also. Again, I just buy Bitcoin. That's all I do. So if they were to do the due diligence, because a lot of our, our guys out there and our, our audience members, guys and gals, they do do some sort of this trading. They, they do try to get in and get out because in the OTC markets, there's quite a bit of volatility there. And some are long-term holders and some are short-term holders. You know, if they are doing the due diligence on these ICOs, any, any recommendations for them or is it just buy Bitcoin? Because I completely understand that uh, theory too. I will, no, I'll never recommend an ICO. It's, it's completely irresponsible of me. Perfect, perfect. Well, Adam, I, I thank you so much. Um, you gave us a lot of information there. I, we're definitely going to have you back on the show again soon because I know there's a lot of other topics we're going to cover, ever-changing uh, you know, market there. Thanks so much for taking the time, Adam. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys, that was Adam Meister. Go to his uh, links down below. Join his YouTube channel. Go to his website. Link, follow him. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time with us. We'll see you again next time. Stay tuned for the next interviews here on InvestorTownHall.com 